Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Before I begin the episode proper, I need to mention a couple of things. Firstly, I keep forgetting to mention my contact places. So, for those of you on the Twitter, you can reach me at Mirths and Monsters. That's n, not and, like rock and roll and fish and chips. There's also an Instagram, which is at Mirths and Monsters Pod. Please send any artwork to there. There's been a couple already from Jackie, and they're brilliant. Any age, any person, any level. Love to see them. Lastly, there's a Facebook page and group. The group is called Mirths and Monsters Group, a.k.a. Finn's Fan Club. Just send a request and you're going to be a murther with the rest of us. Now, I need to introduce the promos. My Wondrous Murthers. The two promos I'm very happy to share with you are both great. The first is Stat, Tales from the ER. This is hosted by Karen. What can we say about Karen? Former ER nurse, who is a full-on natural when it comes to hosting and to storytelling and she's at least 90% sane. The second one is from Noelle, and it's called Heil on Life. Noelle has a real gift for interviewing, and the show is a lot of fun and always, always interesting. Both Heil on Life and Stat are really good, and they're so well done. Give them a try, and it's a cert that you'll subscribe. I will attach their details in the show notes. Here they go! Hello, 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 everybody. My name is Karen Wickiam, and I am the host of STAT, Shocking Traumas and Treatments. I am a retired emergency room nurse who decided to take off the stethoscope and pick up the mic and delve into topics of medical history that will shock, terrify, and amaze you. I will break it down with a modern eye view. Please come and join me, and you will find out that sometimes... It's the cure that kills you. (laughs) Hi, I'm Noelle Heil, the host and creator of Heil on Life, the podcast where I talk one-on-one with people who inspire me. My guests come from all walks of life, different jobs and careers, and they all have different motivations that have helped them throughout their lives. I find their stories fascinating and hope that you will too. To learn more, find me on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube, Tumblr, and Libsyn. And remember, we may have similar stories, but our journeys are all our own. Engage Soap Opera Intro Voice Why? Previously on Grecian Hills 90210 Three sisters, Sethno, Uriel and Medusa were on the receiving end of some nasty business when the hero of the time, Perseus was sent to kill and retrieve the head of Medusa for his soon-to-be stepdad, King Polydectes Polydectes said this was for Hippodamia, the legendary tamer of horses, but that was a big fat fib. 
Polydectes was actually after Perseus's mum, Danae, and didn't think that Perseus would survive the trip. Perseus was sent to the Grey Eye at the behest of Athena, who had beef with Medusa. He demanded they give him the weapons he needed to defeat Medusa. They acquiesced and gave him the weapons. Perseus then went on to his way to kill Medusa and take her head. Or did he? On with the pod. Well, hello, my friends. Another full and hearty greeting to you all. I hope you're all happier than an elephant who's finally gotten over his fear of mice. I had been considering doing a Christmas-themed episode, but decided that another episode of Grecian Hills 90210 would be more fun. I mean, there's family drama, some violence, and gifts. And what's not Christmassy about that? So, this episode, I will be telling you the story of the Gorgons. Who are they, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. The Gorgons were female creatures. That is how they are described. Female creatures. May as well call them lady beasts or girly nightmares. Anyway, the word Gorgon is from the ancient Greek word Gorgos, and this means dreadful. Now, some say that the word has the same root as the Sanskrit word garg, and this is defined as a guttural sound. So, what we have here is a dreadful lady beast who could be pronounced as The last part I'll mention about gorgons is that they can be described as, and I'm quoting, any of three sisters who had hair made of living venomous snakes, as well as a horrifying visage that turned those who beheld her to stone. End quote. Well, listeners, I kind of think that if that was how I was described, I'd be feeling pretty beastly myself. Right then, let's have a look at the runners and the riders in this tale of deception, eye-kidnapping, ladies with snakes for hair, and really quite hard to pronounce names. <clears throat> First up, the Gorgon Three, or as some historians prefer, the One Plus Two. The reason being is that some see Medusa as the One and her sisters as the Two. This is because Medusa is the only one of the three who's not immortal. I have a problem with this, though, because they realise that she wasn't immortal when she got her head cut off. Now, call me old-fashioned, but I think I could call anyone immortal until they're not living anymore. I'm pretty sure her sisters were breathing a sigh of relief when Perseus scarpered without testing their immortality. This isn't Highlander. There can be more than one. Now this brings me nicely to Perseus, or Percy for short. This is another hero of ancient Greece. But is he? Is he really? Let's investigate. Well, he sort of is. Well, technically, 
he's half god, as his da was Zeus, who managed to get his mum, Danai, pregnant by showering her with gold. No, I'm not saying she's a gold digger. I meant that Zeus literally showered her with gold, and that made her pregnant. This was after she'd been made prisoner by her own husband in a roofless courtyard in their mansion. Seriously, what were the ancient Greeks on? After this, Acrisius, for he was the one who did the imprisoning, sent Percy and his wife Danae away to sea in a boat, hoping they would not once again see land. However, they did see land again. They washed up onto the shore of Seriphos and were taken in by a fisherman called Dictes. His name means, wait for it, fishing net. No, really. Anyway, his brother is the next guy in the story. And I fully understand if you need to take a bit of a sit down and a cup of tea. Welcome back. So the brother of fishing net is called Polydectes. That's just one name, by the way. It's not Polydectes. But I really wish it was, because Polydectes sounds like a cheeky parrot on a ship. His name actually means, he who receives or welcomes many. See, he sounds like a nice fella, doesn't he? He's not. These are the main players, and this is one of their tales. So, when Percy was all grown up, it turned out that Polly was grooving on Percy's mum, Danae. But Percy thought this was bogus. However, Polydectes was determined to bogart Percy's mum. So, this is what he did. He sent Perseus to fetch the head of Medusa, knowing full well that Medusa would kick the butt of Percy, and this would get him out of the way so he could then marry Percy's mum. Those ancient Greeks, man. Perseus knew he would have to get all the help he could to try and conquer the monster that was Medusa. He visited the Grey Eye. Now the Grey Eye were three sisters who shared one eye and one tooth. They had all become very good at audio description. So when one was watching Strictly Come Dancing, they had to describe it perfectly. As for the tooth, well, lots of baby food. I'm digressing once again, very sorry. So, Perseus needed to get information from the Grey Eye. He needed to be told how to get to the Hesperides. The Hesperides were a group of nymphs who tended Hera's orchard. The orchard is not important at this time, but more importantly, they held some useful weapons. So how did Perseus handle this? With charm? With class? Nope, ancient Greek style. He snatched the one eye of the sisters and held it to ransom until they dished the location of the nymphs. I guess, in his defence, he gave the eye back. But still, low blow. So what did Percy get from the nymphs? He got some very cool weapons and some items to assist him in his quest. He was given a knapsack to safely contain Medusa's head. He was given the adamantine sword of Zeus 
and I was also given Hades' Helm of Darkness. Now, the Helm of Darkness is actually a cap or a hat, and when you pop it on your head, voila, invisible. In addition to this, Hermes lent Perseus his winged sandals to fly. And by the way, you can't say winged when you're talking about ancient Greek. You've got to say winged. It's just a thing. Also, Athena gave him a polished shield. Now, in some versions, Zeus, Athena, etc., they give him the items themselves. But in others, such as this one, they were all given to him by the nymphs. So, Perseus, armed with his sword, his flying shoes, a shiny shield, a backpack, and his hat of invisibility, then went on his way to the Gorgon's cave and a date with demonic destiny. There are some that say that what happened was that Perseus was successful in his mission to remove the head of Medusa and give it to Athena. Athena would then use it in battle by putting it on the front of her shield, turning her enemies to stone. But before he handed over Medusa's head, Perseus used it himself to turn Polydectes to stone for being a right plum. Also from this, when Medusa's head was chopped off from the blood, sprang Pegasus, the famous winged horse, and his human brother, Chrysior, the lesser-known man with a golden sword. I don't know him either. However, as with ancient Greek stories, there are sometimes discrepancies. So, I decided to see for myself. Finn, to the Cryptocycle! Okay, Marthers. Sandwiches are packed, Finn has his helmet on, and we're ready to go. Let's hit that crucial five miles an hour. Here we go! And here we are. I'm getting much better at these calculations, blimey. We've arrived just about 20 feet from the mouth of the Gorgon Cave, just as Perseus is about to enter. Come on, Finn, let's go. We follow. The Gorgon Cave is pretty dank. It smells a bit whiffy. A bit like the Christmas sock that Finn hid from me and I didn't find until the following Easter. The cave is dark. There is enough natural light coming from the walls, which are covered with glowworms. Finn? Finn? Oh, come on, wee man, don't eat the glowworms. Your farts will glow in the dark. Finn, eat the glowworms. Perseus steps cautiously. He has to, he's walking backwards. He has to use the reflective surface of the polished shield to guide his way to avoid any potential sudden looks from Medusa. He stumbles slightly on loose stones and we all stop to listen. Did the sisters hear that? The only sound is his breathing. Still calm, but quicker than normal. He resumes his slow progress. A couple of minutes pass as all three of us walk, and the confidence of Perseus seems to be increasing. He's approaching a turn, 
plinks of water dripping from the roof splashes onto his shield and onto his face. Onwards we go, glowworms lighting our way. He slowly turns the corner. Was that a reflection of a figure in the shield? No, no. It's gone as quick as it may have been there. As we carry on walking, there's the sound of a hiss. Oh boy. Medusa is right there. She's behind him. Me and the wee man stand stock still, waiting to see how this will unfold. We decide to step closer to the wall. I can hear Finn enjoying some glowworms. I can see Perseus lower his eyes further down the shield, and then he sees her. Medusa's snake hair slithers with purpose, small tongues flickering, hisses low but very much there. Perseus focuses clearly, and at that moment their eyes lock. Medusa and he stare at each other. Their breathing stops. The snakes pause. Settle. And then... Medusa. Medusa. Medusa, you're so fair. A gorgon who has pythons in her hair. Medusa, please don't turn me into stone. I wanna set up home with you. Medusa and Perseus have instantly fallen for each other. You know, because this is ancient Greece and that is probably one of the least unlikely things to happen. I watch as Perseus tears a long strip from his cotton shirt, like one of those muscly fellas on the front of a Mills and Boone novel. He then wraps it round his head so that his eyes are covered. Medusa was behind him making sure that the knot of the cloth was tied securely but now she's moving round to the front. She places her hands on his face and gives him a wee kiss. Perseus asks about the sisters of Medusa. It's okay, she says. They're off down the shops getting snake food. It's weird how she's Scottish. At this point, they walk to the mouth of the cave, past me and Finn, And even if we weren't invisible to them, I doubt they would have seen us anyway. Perseus removes the winged shoes from his knapsack and puts them on. He wraps his arm around Medusa and then she places her arms around his neck. And off they fly into the night sky. Wow! I stand with my mouth agape at this amazing scene. This is not what it says on Wikipedia at all. Me and the wee man watch till they're out of sight before getting back on the crypto cycle and then we head home. And there you have it, my friends. Another so-hard-to-believe-it-must-be-true version of events from yours truly.
Before I skedaddle away, I need to mention one last thing. Or more specifically, Radas. A great friend of mine had a birthday recently and asked for Ray to sing happy birthday. Now this took a lot of cajoling. A lot of tuna. And about a ton's worth of dreamies. But it worked. So, Suze, here you go. Till next time, my friends, slant you your good health.